Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. When you started your first job, you were probably required to read an employee manual or handbook of some sort. Generally, this includes the history and basic information about the company, as well as maybe the founders, and their vision, their mission statement, and a few other things. If you work for a company like McDonald's, you're going to have to read and study their procedures manual because you need to have detailed instructions on how to cook the food, what temperature, the cleanliness of the place, the reporting details, and everything else that's involved in a business like that. What happens if you don't read the handbook or the manual? Well, clearly, you wouldn't be able to do your job effectively. You wouldn't be able to do it to the best of your ability. Now, let's switch gears to another subject or example. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, where would you go to learn about God? To read his story, to understand his commandments, to learn how we should live. You would go to God's instruction manual, the Bible. It's here where you can find joy in the midst of life's circumstances, peace during troubled times, hope during life and death, grace from our God Almighty who loves us so much, mercy and forgiveness when we do things we shouldn't do, and so much more. What if we don't read this manual? We won't know our boss. We won't know our company. We won't know his directions or his guidance. We wouldn't find his love and his mercy and all those attributes he pours out for us if we don't read the manual. As we begin this new year full of hope and resolutions, this is our annual reminder to you of the importance of reading God's word and reading it through in this coming year. I'm Debbie Blank, wishing you a very happy new year. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. There's an acronym for the word Bible, where the letters B-I-B-L-E are used to stand for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. While not from Scripture itself, someone made up a pretty quick and clever summation of what you'll find in the Bible. And since all of us will, sooner or later, be leaving this current Earth, that's a very crucial and timely reason to open the covers of the Bible and take a good look at the information that's waiting there. Today, we'll take a more detailed look at the many great reasons to make reading the Bible a top priority in 2023. Every year, Jackie, when this time comes around, I think it's important for us to talk about the importance of the Bible, the importance of reading it, the information we glean about who our God is and how he wants us to live. There is no other book on the face of the earth that's more important than this book. That's why we call this ministry Living Word Ministry, because the Word of God is living. It's God's Word to us. We named the ministry this because we take God at His Word, that the Bible is His love story to us. It's God's Word breathed to certain men so that we could have the opportunity to know our God. This is the only literature ever written that is without error because God is the author. It's the only book that we can read where we can find truth because it's God's word and God is truth. That's why we adhere to the verse in Hebrews 4.12 about God's word that tells us the word of God is living and active. So when you think of living, 
It's consistent. It's ongoing. It never dies. Every time we read it, it's new. We're at a different point in life. God's word touches us where we are. So it's always new. It's never old or stale. A lot of people are saying these days, well, the Bible's antiquated. We don't need to listen to it anymore. It was written a long time ago. Yeah, it was written a long time ago. But yes, we do need to listen to it because it is living and it's pertinent to every age and every era and every person. And then again, it says it's not only living, but it's active. The Greek word for active there is energes. That's where we get energizing. So when you think of God's word as being energizing, it does that to us. As we get to know God and what he says and how he promises us things and how he works through people's lives, we are energized by his Holy Spirit to get to know him better and to follow him. It goes on to say in Hebrews 4.12, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sword's pretty sharp, but here it's sharper than that. What the word means in the Greek, it's repeated blows from hacking something. So if you take a sharp sword and you consistently hack wood, for example, you're going to continue to slice through that wood. Well, here it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and because of that, it's able to pierce or penetrate as far as the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow. Only God and his word could get into the inner recesses of our soul and our spirit and our thoughts and the intents of our minds, all of those spiritual things that nobody can touch except God and his word. And then it tells us it's able to pierce as far as our joints and our marrows. So that gets into our physical body as well as our spiritual body. And finally, we're told that the word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Only God can do that. Satan can't get into our minds. Other people can't get in there, but God can. And God uses his word to judge or to discern or to show us decisively what's going on in our thoughts, in our deliberations, in our intentions, in the moral understandings of our hearts and our minds. He is able to get in there with his word and touch us in every one of those areas so that we then are convicted. We are drawn closer to him. We see him in a different light and we want to live more like him. Only his word can do that. No other book, no other author. And we know that man needs a moral plumb line because otherwise we'll just do what seems right in our own eyes. And we know through scripture what has happened anytime mankind has done that. It's been chaotic. We've seen it in the Old Testament, we've seen it in the New Testament, and we see it in our lives today. The truth in God's word is an unchanging, dependable, moral plumb line. If we do not follow God's word, if we choose to follow someone else or something else or a government or a person, political leader, even a religion, that will lead us astray because they are not perfect. They are not God and his truths. Now, I think back to when I became a believer, I knew almost nothing about the Bible. I knew some things that I had grown up with in my religion. I knew the Ten Commandments. I knew the gospel message that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose from the dead. So some of those things I had heard and I understood, but most of the Bible I had never even heard of before. What I learned was what my religion taught me to believe. So when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, surrendered myself to him, I needed to know what I was supposed to follow. Was I supposed to go back to my religion? Was I supposed to go to a new religion? 
Was I supposed to find God some other way? And I found him in the Bible. You see, religions are good. We need those. We need our different denominations to bring us together, to worship God together. But they're man-made. And when they're man-made, they're made with man's rules, not necessarily God's, unless they strictly follow the word of God. So I set out to read the Bible to determine if what I had learned in my religion was in the Bible or if it was man-made. And what I found is probably about 90% of what I had been taught to believe was man-made. It wasn't from the Bible. Now, of that, part of it was the ideas were in the Bible, but they weren't following the Word of God. They were following their own version of understanding that Word. So what I came to realize very early on is that there is only one truth, and that truth is the Word of God. I've been in my church for 42 years now, I love it. I believe in it. I go there faithfully and serve there. But I don't put my faith in my church. I put my faith in God and the truth of his word. And everything I hear, I take by the word of God to find out if it's true or if it's man-made. That's how important the word of God is. And it's really dangerous for men to do what seems right in their own eyes we're just looking at Proverbs fourteen twelve here, and when we read that, it says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So something might seem right, but it can be terribly, terribly wrong. How do we know? We know by going into God's Word. We have to compare everything with the Word of God. So why do we read the Word of God? Well, God tells us to. In Joshua 1a, God says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. So prosperity and success comes from reading the Word of God, not from doing all the things we do in the world or what the world tells us success is. Not only good does God tell us to do it, but the Bible has proven itself over and over you have 66 books in the Bible that are written by 40 different men over 1,500 years. And yet, every one of those books, everything in the Bible comes together. It's all intertwined because God is the author. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That means that God breathed the words that he wanted into these men so they would pen them. And the prophecies that we see throughout the whole Old Testament that point to Jesus, we see fulfilled in the New Testament pointing back to Jesus. So there's so much that we can see in the Bible that's intertwined. It's all unified. We've seen prophecies fulfilled exactly as God said they would. We have never found a mistake in the Bible. There's a few things that are a little hard to understand sometimes, but there have been no errors that have ever been found in the Bible. Archaeology has proven the Bible. When we were in Caesarea in Israel, we saw a seat that had been engraved in the auditorium that had the name Pilate on it. That proves that Pontius Pilate was real, historically and archaeologically. Same thing with Caiaphas, the high priest. They found his grave marker. So everything that we're seeing in archaeology has proven the Bible. Nothing has disproven it. History. We have historians like Josephus. We have people who have written the history of Israel, and it's all been proven accurate. We have the integrity of the human authors and the witnesses that were there at the time of Christ and at the time of these things happened in the Bible that witnessed to them. 
And then you have basically the indestructibility of the Bible. Because of its importance and its claim to be the very word of God, it has suffered more vicious attacks and attempt to destroy it than any other book in history. From the very beginning, the Roman empires in the New Testament, people have attacked it and tried to destroy it. And they're doing that today in Canada and in England. They have tried to enact laws that discredit the Bible because it doesn't match up with the way people want to live today. But God's word will not be discredited. It is God's word and we can rely on it completely. Our almighty God is perfectly capable of preserving his word and that's what he has done. Yes, he is. And along with that is the fact of knowing that this is truth. It's the only truth that we have. And we need to know truth in order to fight the schemes of the devil. A.W. Tozer once said, the devil's a better theologian than any of us and is the devil still. In other words, he knows the Bible and he's still the devil. We need to know the Bible to be able to fight the devil and the schemes of the devil because the evil one is always present to fill us with lies and shame and misinformation and deception. In John 8, 32, we're told that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And that's the truth of God's word, the only truth. And it does set us free because when we know God and we know his truths, all we have to do is follow them. It's so much easier when we're willing to do that. Consider that the Bible was the very first book ever printed in 1455, the Gutenberg Bible, because people recognized it's the only source of truth. Abraham Lincoln once said, in regard to this great book, I have but this to say, it is the best gift God has given to man. All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. Except for it, we would not know right from wrong. And that is key because we're going to follow something. If it's not the Bible, then we're following something that's wrong. There's only one true truth and one true right, and that's the Bible. That's what we need to know, and that's what we need to follow, or we're going in a wrong way, a way opposite the direction of God. Satan the devil is not neutral in this. So he's going to be busy trying to send us off in another direction, and as humankind has proven over and over again, we're pretty susceptible to that. So we need that standard to guide us. And that's why the Bible shows us who God is. So we can recognize the truth, therefore we can see the false. In Romans 3, 1 and 2, we're reminded that what advantage has the Jew? Or what's the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. The Jews were given the word of God to pass on through all generations so that we would know the one true God. God wants us to know him. He doesn't want to just be some innocuous thing out there that says, well, find me if you can, or guess who I am. He wants us to know him. That's why his word, the Bible, is a love letter to us. In John 3, 16, he tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but shall have everlasting life. He wants us to have everlasting life with him. He shows us how to do it. He explains it in his word. Now, his word doesn't start out with a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, telling us everything we're supposed to do exactly in order. We have to read the whole of the Bible to understand the whole of God, to then be able to put it all together to see who he is and how he wants us to live. But he's given us all the answers. All we have to do is read it. 
And that's why we're recommending that the beginning of the year is often a good time to get started with that and have a plan where you can go ahead and read through the Bible in a year. That's a suggestion. You can do it the way you want to do it. This is a good time to decide this is when I'm going to start to do that because from Genesis all the way through Revelation, as you said, it's one complete story pointing to Jesus Christ, pointing to God, the God who loves us so much that he had a plan of salvation so that we could live with him forever. All of the wonderful promises and how God has taken care of and guided us through all of mankind's history is wrapped up in that Bible. Everyone has a different way to read scripture. Some like to start in Genesis and read all the way through. Some like to start it in a plan that reads some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, the Psalms and the Proverbs every day. Part of the reason for doing that is because if you start in Genesis, you just get so excited about what you learn all the way through Genesis once you get past some of the genealogies. And then you get into Exodus, and it's so exciting until you get to the starting of the tabernacle. And then God gives you chapter after chapter after what seems to us to be boring details about the building of the tabernacle. But as we get to know God and his word, we see the importance of all those details. But anyway, then you get to Leviticus and you go, oh boy, this is really tough to understand. So it's sometimes easier to go back and forth from the Old and the New Testament. Some people read the New Testament first. The one thing you want to do is read the entirety of the Word of God. It takes about 15 minutes a day, and you will have read it all by the end of the year. And if you only spend about 15 minutes a day, you'll have time to meditate on it. So during the day, you can think about what you read. You can ask God to show you new things or what he wants you to learn from that or how to live from that. And remember, we're not just reading the Bible to check it off of our list at the end of the year. We're reading it to get to know God to see what he wants to teach us every day. is like being in the presence of God when we open up his word. Well, let's go back now and talk again about the importance of the Bible. The Bible shows us how to have a relationship with him. In John 17, 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what the purpose of the Bible is, is to know God and know Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of details in there, and there's a lot of history, a lot of personalities, a lot of people we can learn from, but it's primarily about knowing God, having a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Once we have a relationship with Jesus, we need to know how to live for him. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Colossians 1, 9 and 10, We are to ask God that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of him, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what he calls us to do. Those are nuggets. Those are jewels that we can dig out as we read through scripture. And by the way, when you read through scripture, Don't just pick up a book to read it like you would a novel. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher because he is the one who teaches you and gives you wisdom. In James chapter one, we're told if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So ask the Spirit for wisdom to see what God is saying in his word, to hear it, to understand it, and then to speak to us individually about what we're learning. 
I was really impressed with this quote from another president, Teddy Roosevelt, who said in 1914, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. If a man is not familiar with the Bible, he has suffered a loss, which he had better make all possible haste to correct. So here's somebody who values that, who happened to be a president of the United States making that comment, so not somebody who was known as a, a religious person, but someone who saw the practical necessity of having a knowledge of the Bible. And then if we know the Bible, if we know how to live, we need to live it. We need to live it out every day. So Ulysses S. Grant, our 18th president, said, hold fast to the Bible as the anchor of your liberty. Write its precepts in your hearts and practice them in your lives. You see, if you know the truth of God's word and don't practice it, we're being disobedient. And that is not what God wants us to do. So once we learn what we're supposed to do, he wants us to live it out. He tells us, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 119, 105, let the word guide us. Romans 8, 28 reminds us that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's practical everyday living. We know that the Bible is practical for everyday life. There's so much in it that can really inform us of just things that we need to know. Beneficial answers to everything in life are in there if you look. So what are some of the other practical ways that we can use the Bible? Well, think about it. If you have doubts in your mind, it's hard to trust God. But if you learn to trust the God of the Bible, for example, Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. If you learn to trust the Lord, your doubts will go away. As I've told you in the last few weeks, I've been dealing with Bell's palsy. I trust God that he's going to heal me in his perfect timing. Now, I don't know what that is, and I certainly have my desires for when I'd like it to go away, but God has another plan. But I have no doubt that he's going to use this for his glory. It may not happen the way I want it to, but it's going to be for his glory, and that's what I want. Now, I can say that today. Forty years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Forty years ago, I would have said, God, why aren't you healing me? So it's a matter of getting to know God over time being with him so we can understand him more and understand that he wants the best for us. He wants to help us. He wants to grow us. And everything that comes into our lives is used for us to draw closer to him. So now my attitude, instead of being selfless, which is heal me, God, and why aren't you? It's thank you, God, for allowing me to endure this so I could learn more about you, give you glory, and draw closer to you during it. It's a matter of perspective that we can only have as we get to know God. And then you think about worrying. The Bible says we're to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Well, if we will do that, then we're promised right afterwards, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, what do we want when we're anxious? We want peace. And the only way to get that peace, according to the verse I just quoted in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, is to turn to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So when we learn that our anxious thoughts or our anxious times or the problems that we're worried about, when we learn that we can turn them over to God and then he is the one who will give us peace, then we want to do that. It's not always easy to do. He has to show us how to do it but we can experience that. Those are 
practical ways to live out our Christian life. We talked about truth and lies. When we know the truth, we're able to discern what the lies are and what the deceptions are. When government officials are determining what money is counterfeit and what is real, they don't study the counterfeit, they study the real. So that way they know the feel and the texture and the look and the color and everything about it. So when they see the counterfeit, they know it is wrong. When we study the truth of God's word, then we can discern the lies and the deception that Satan tries to throw in. The same thing goes with shame. So many people I know walk around with shame from the things that they have done in their past. Satan continues to say they're not worthy to be children of God. That's Satan saying that because that's not God. He wants to destroy us so that we don't think we're worthy to be one of God's children. And yet God tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means God's not condemning us. Yes, God might be speaking to us and convicting us of sin, but he is not condemning us. We are his children. He loves us. So if we're being condemned or shamed, that's Satan trying to destroy us. The more we know the truths from God and his word, the more we can practically live out our lives with that peaceful, joyful relationship with God that he wants us to have and the life he wants us to experience here on earth. I've seen him work. I've watched his truths come to life from the word of God as I've followed them, as I've watched other people follow them. His word is the only thing that's truth. He is the only one who is the perfect God and he wants the best for us. If we will get to know him, if we will learn about him, if we will turn to him, if we'll have a relationship with him, he's just waiting for us to do that. So here we are, the beginning of 2023. What kind of goals are you going to make? Many of you will set resolutions. How about if you make a God honoring goal or more specifically, a commitment to God to read the Bible every day with the goal of completing it by the end of the year? And now I'm not so legalistic to say if you miss a day, then just read twice the next day. You know, don't get down on yourself if you happen to skip a day, just catch up. Or maybe read 20 minutes a day so that if you miss a day, you're kind of ahead of the schedule. If you Google a chart on how you can read the Bible every day, then you'll actually have a piece of paper that you can check off to show what you have read. And we also want to remember what God told to the people of Israel, the importance of being in his word all the time. When he says, these words which I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. That's Deuteronomy 6, 6. We are so blessed to have the word of God in our hands. People in China, over in Iran and other places would love to have the word of God. They have so little of the Bible that they tear out pages and pass pages around. We have it right here. Oh, let us not waste that opportunity, but instead let us honor God and worship him through his word. Pick a practice that works for you. Ask God to help you. If you say, well, I'm not a good reader, that's okay. Read it anyway. God will speak to you. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. It's all about building a relationship with God. It's not about learning knowledge. It's just about being with God. Keep in mind that when I became a believer, I didn't know hardly anything of scripture. Now I do. We have to take one day at a time. If you read with intent, God will change your life. He will teach you his word. Jeremiah 29, 13 reminds us that if we seek him, we will find him. If we seek him with all of our heart. 
Find the joy involved. Write me at Debbie at livingwordministry.org to tell me how God has spoken to you through his word. Because I guarantee you, he will change your life if you let him. If you are intent about being with him in his word every day. My prayer for you is Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.